uh, I came in this morning feeling a mess. Has anyone ever experienced that where you come into your work environment or your family environment and you're, man, I feel like I'm a wreck. Anybody? This is not rhetorical because misery loves company. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just feel all disheveled and then you like try to dress nice to make yourself feel better or something, you know. Um, I One of those weeks and one of those mornings and the things that we're going to talk about today in Philippians 2, 1 through 4, and if you have your Bibles, get ready. Uh, it's a very well-known passage, a powerful passage, and one that makes me miserable. <laughs> How many of you read a scripture and it just makes you miserable because you know it applies to you and you feel like it only applies to you? <laughs> and God keeps knocking at your door and you feel like when you read a passage, you become more aware of the circumstances in your life that are going to challenge that passage in your life. Sometimes we go, well, God's testing us. Well, mm, life does that on its own. But God gives us opportunity in those moments to respond in a way that will speak him into the room, that will influence your heart and influence the people around you. And we have that opportunity with this passage today. Last week, I, I was not here, but I have heard uh, from many people that Sharon's message on that, that word unity and sticking together as the body of Christ was such a, a powerful word. And let me tell you, it is unbelievably relevant. So relevant, in fact, that not to step into unity as the body of Christ We'll end the journey before it really can begin. So I want to say that as we, we go into this passage, how important, how much of a non-negotiable it is. <laughs> I mean, this is not something we can negotiate. Being together as the body of Christ, as Christ is the head, is a non-negotiable for those that call Jesus Lord. Done. Is that clear? Okay, so as we go into this, I just want to make that, that clear. So I'm going to, I want to show you something and tell me what you notice here. What do you see? What? A divide. What else do you see? It's kind of hard a little bit, I guess, once it. There's a fence. Does anyone see the post in midair? Yeah. What do you think that guy's thinking? How, yeah, how am I going to fix this? <clears throat> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, he's got the little neon vest on, so you, you kind of think, well, maybe this is his job to do. <laughs> I mean, going, how am I going to get that fence post? Right? I mean, that's a, does that look like a big problem? Now, that's the very foundations, right? Now, this, this picture was taken in, in Mexico, and the, the ground divided underneath, so it's even a wider gap underneath, okay? And uh, so you got this guy here uh, probably going, oh, man, how are we going to, like we said, how are we going to fix this? But that's not something you just fix, is it? That's a big divide. That's a big gap. Is that where you want to build your summer home? 
or any home for that matter, right? That's probably not a good choice. Now, I want, to, I want you to visualize this because this has become the church in a, in a sense, as a whole, right? We can be easily divided. And Scripture says, a kingdom divided against itself, what? It can't stand. It can't. It won't. It won't. And you can try uniformity, but uniformity is not unity. Uniformity is just we're all looking the same, talking the same, saying the same thing, but that's not unity. That doesn't build a solid foundation. You still have this gap, and we're still standing there like this guy going, how are we going to fix this? This is going to be really challenging. When Paul is writing Philippians, you have to understand, when he writes any letter, he's writing out of a place of experience and not saying that he's done everything right, but he's done enough wrong to have learned from it. He's done enough trial and error to now begin to exhort churches, and especially a church that's thriving, like in Philippi, to be, hey, we got to stay with Jesus here, folks. We got to stay together, be of like mind, and move together so this doesn't happen, because this is happening in other churches. If you read Paul's letters, he's addressing this very issue. And though that happened 2,000 years ago, it's just as relevant today. Just as relevant. And you would think that we would have an advantage because we have, we have the Bible. They didn't have it then. They had the Torah, and then it was hard to get. Okay? But they don't have the resources we have. It was a lot of word to mouth. It was a lot of going and teaching. And you would think that we would know better because we've got this right here. You can get it on your phone. Okay? You can get it, I mean, anywhere. In every different translation, there's like a bazillion of them. And it still doesn't make the decision to step into unity in the name of Jesus any easier. Does it? No. So this is still an issue, and it will be an ongoing issue as long as sin is in the world. But we have to be aware of it, and we have to strive to step in with Jesus with each other. Uh, Or else this is what our hearts will look like, this is what our churches will look like, and the church universal will continue to look like this if we don't make the conscious decision to say yes to Jesus individually and together and allow him to be the head. It's really funny because sometimes as a church, we can go, Jesus, why don't you take a break and I'll, I'll take it from here. How many have done that in your own personal lives, <laughs> Right? Wow, the Lord's too busy with all of this stuff, so I'm going to take over. And how does that go? Oh, man, right? I mean, when he becomes the Lord of your life, he does some amazing things in your life. Things that you've always wanted, like moving from San Diego to Minnesota. (laughs) And then you find out, oh, that was the best move I could have possibly made. All joking aside. So we're going to look in chapter 2, 1 through 4. And these words will be familiar to you. Many of you. Some not, and that's okay. Because now you get to hear it for the first time. And it'll be fresh. So that's good. So I'm going to be reading out of the 
New Living Translation because there's a nice flow, but I want to remind you that in different uh, translations, certain words can seem like synonyms and all of this, but um, some have more potent meaning than others, but it's to get the concept across, okay? Can we agree on that? It's about the concept here that Paul's saying, not for us to get lost on every little detail, but... Um, in most translations, you will see that there's a therefore. You will not see that in the New Living Translation, but in the Greek, there is a therefore, which means the, the passages basically that Sharon preached on, this is a response to that. So therefore, everything that I just said connects with this. All right, so I want, us, want us to be aware of that as we go into this. So here we go. I don't know what this is here for. I don't even know how to use that. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Is there any encouragement, Paul is saying, from belonging to Christ? So let's put the therefore in there. Therefore, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Okay. So let's go back for a second. When we read this passage, it's easy to look at this and go, Paul's kind of doubting what's going on. Paul's not doubting what's going on. Paul is challenging the people in Philippi to check themselves. Make sure your posture is this. Because if your posture is not this, and we'll see next week in verse 5 and beyond, that's about aligning ourselves with the mind of Christ, the character of Christ, because Christ is the head of the body. Okay, because you're going to hear be of a like, you know, we, we just read be of like mind and all of this, but what does that mean? We're going to talk about that in a second. But it's all under the umbrella of coming into an abiding relationship with Jesus, being with Jesus, being one with Jesus, right? He is the head. So this is about Paul exhorting us to check ourselves, make sure that this is present, make sure this is a daily check because life tests what you know, right? We've talked about that. There are challenges in our lives, and, and Jesus is the one that helps us navigate those. So, is there, an, any, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship to, to what? Together in his spirit. So this is corporate. It's individual, and it's corporate. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? That's a powerful word, belonging You belong to him, which means you're his. Are you your own? No. So there's no, Jesus, you take a break, I'm in. You're his. He calls those shots, not you. Jesus, we're going to call an audible. Uh, No. No. Just don't do it. Don't do it. And it's an encouraging thought to belong to Christ. And it's more than just like, hey, go, go, go. Yeah, you can do it. We're not talking about that kind of encouragement. We're talking about the deep, in your gut, assurance, joy, peace, that you belong to Christ, meaning your value is rock solid. 
Who you are in Christ Jesus is rock solid. His love for you, rock solid. That ain't moving. That's not changing. So there's an encouragement from belonging to Christ, and there's comfort from his love. I cannot tell you. This week was a really challenging week for me in many different ways. How many of you have been hit on every front all in one day or one week? It's like personal, work, family, everything. Everything, right? And where do you find comfort and peace if not in Christ Jesus? Where do you find it? Maybe in a notion, but that's fleeting. Maybe in a human relationship, but that's fleeting. The love of God is never changing, so we can find comfort. This is the posture Paul wants to make sure we have. Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are we connecting with his Holy Spirit together? Are we allowing him to move us? Are we hearing him together? You know, that's why we ask the two questions every week. So we're doing individually and corporately. Lord, what do you want to say to us? What do you think speaking to us? His Holy Spirit. It's a posture to align ourselves with him. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And the word in Greek for tender means quite literally your intestines. The deep places of who you are. The most vulnerable places of your body. That's why it's protected. Your intestines are very important. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your internal organs are very important. Are you sensitive from this place and compassionate to those around you? Those who are hurting, suffering, confused, numb, all of the above, the the places where people are out of alignment with what God has for them, whether by their own doing or from outside places, Are we tender and compassionate in those areas of life? Have we postured ourselves in such a way that we can bring that love and that encouragement, that comfort that comes from being with Jesus? Then make me truly happy. And Paul's saying, come on, (laughs) complete my gladness here in you because I'm already for you. Okay, Paul's already identified in chapter one that he loves the church in Philippi, that they're doing a great job. But remember, it's about... Not being a Christian in name only. It's about thriving in his name. That's what he wants us to continue to do. To make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And we're going to spend a few minutes on this because this is important. To make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Okay. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That's not uniformity. Okay. That doesn't mean, well, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but I hate conflict, so let's do that. Okay? That's not about, a, you know, we have hundreds of people here, and we all have our own opinions about things. Correct me if I'm wrong. And if we try to come into agreement on our own opinions, we're in trouble. Right? Which is why Jesus is the head. <laughs> he is. Are we in agreement on him? Yes, that is what we're talking about here. In agreement wholeheartedly on the character and the person of Jesus Christ in our lives, that he died, he raised again, and he is with us. He's moving, he's present. He wants us to be with him in unbelievable ways, so desperately. Are we in agreement on that wholeheartedly? Because if we are, then we are going to posture ourselves to live in him. And if we live in him, then we're going to love one another. Right? 
Greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with everything you got. Love your neighbor with all you got. And in the Greek, the word agape doesn't change. So the way you love God is the way you to love others. It's not a lesser type of love. Because if you love him, you're going to love who he loves. Right? If he's your life, you're going to love who he loves. So we have to love one another and work together with one mind and purpose. Remember, the one mind is about his mind aligning ourselves. Are we in agreement wholeheartedly with one mind based off who he is in our lives? Okay? Now, here's a curious word. Working. It does take work. It takes effort. And I'm not saying merit. I'm not saying you got to do this stuff to earn something. I'm saying it takes work to posture yourself in a place to love the people you just want to slap across the face. Right? Does that not take work? It takes work to stay in alignment with the heart of Christ. It does. It takes effort. Are we willing to do that together? And we're going to touch, we're going to touch back on this because this is so important for the church today. We quit on each other. Do you know that? We do. We quit on each other. It breaks my heart. I saw it all week. When we don't like something, when our feelings are hurt, where we're oversensitive about some things, instead of putting in the hard work to be of like mind with Jesus and with one another, we bolt. Now, that's not everybody, but that seems to be a common thread. Because we like to be the head of our own church. And when that happens, we don't put in the work to do good family, messy family relationship. It's so challenging, but we cannot be oblivious to the fact it does exist. Because Paul, he's saying all this stuff because it's around. And he's saying it's not to shame anybody. He's saying be aware so that you can posture yourself this way so that doesn't happen. Because when that happens, you have that huge divide and the house divided against itself cannot stand. He knows that. And here are some tips to help this process. These are good, healthy tips, right? Don't be selfish. All right, I can, okay. Don't try to impress others. Oh, that's a challenging one. It, just me? Is that just me? Okay, just want to make sure. Be humble. And please do that yourself. Don't ask the Lord to humble you because that's a boo. You don't want that. Okay? Humble yourself. That doesn't mean self-diminishment. That doesn't mean, oh, I, Brendan, fairly am, I'm, I'm just a wretch. Ugh. Humility quota reached today. I'm terrible. But the Lord is good. He loves me. Do you want your kids talking about themselves that way? <laughs> no, right? You rebuke that. You're like, that's no, that's not true. That's not humility. Humility is putting others before yourself and not in the, not in the measurement of value, but of care. We're going to, hopefully we take care of ourselves, but it's the people around us God is leading us into. Everything is about relationship. Everything. Every single thing is about relationship. 
So be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. And remember, that's not about value. It's easy to look better than yourself. But care about the people around you. Don't ditch them and quit on them when it becomes hard. Because that's all inclusive. That means anybody, enemy, friend, not a friend, acquaintance, anybody and everybody. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interests in others too. Which also says you are to look after yourself as well. So remember, when you're talking about being humble, it doesn't mean forget about who you are and self-diminishment and don't feed yourself because you want to feed everyone else and, you know, I'm humble and I'm doing this for the Lord. That's just dumb. You're not going to be around long because you're not feeding yourself, taking care of yourself. And so how can you be helpful to the kingdom of God if you're not around taking care of yourself? And what kind of modeling example does that set? So we, we kind of breeze through that. This is a heavy passage, okay? But this is what I want to pull out this morning. Is going back to verse 2. Because Paul is trying to rally the troops here. And is family important, yes or no? Can you say that more convincingly to me? It's, yeah, yeah. I like this, yeah! Right? How many have heard the phrase or used the phrase church family? Okay. Do you think, do you think when God uses family language, he means it differently than the way we would use it? So when he calls us his children, what are we? When we call our children our children, does that mean something different than what God means? No. No. It has greater impact in the sense it's coming from an uncreated God, the existence of love himself. But we're his children. Just as oh, Gracie and Emmett, they're my children. There's a reason why there's that parallel so that we can understand how we are to go about that relationship, how we're about to love. So when we use the word family, church, family, family is family. It's defining what the relationship is. And let me tell you something. I've got people in my family I can't stand, but I can never quit on them. I can't. If I'm calling Jesus Lord, I cannot quit on them. I may have moments where I distance myself, but hopefully it's just to regroup. Say, <laughs> so, okay, oh Lord, how do I do this now? Because I, this is tough. But you do not quit the engagement. It is the same when we say church family. Are we family or are we not? There's no in between. We're kind of family, we're kind of not. It means we cannot afford to quit on one another. So when it gets tough, we have, to, we have to press into Jesus even more so. So we are like-minded, wholeheartedly agreeing with who he is so that we can see where we need to step into because we cannot quit on each other. We have to do the hard work. We really do. If there's someone in this room that you have a problem with, do the hard work or else we're not stepping into love. Sorry. Jesus does the hard work with us. Does he not? 
And we have a lot of stuff in our lives that we'll use an excuse to not engage him because it's too much for us to stand, but he invites it because he wants to do the hard work with us so that we can see the redemption of love and grace in our lives. Do you understand how important that is? And it starts here in this family. We can't quit on one another. If you have a problem with me, talk to me. Don't just quit and then go, oh, by the way, I'm mad at you about this, this. Talk to me. If you're upset with someone else, talk to them. If there's a point where you feel that divide happening, Jesus has the answer. Him. Go into him and start engaging one another. It's time to get the fight on. Sharon talked about last week, we've got to stick together or else this world is going to tear us apart. If the church can't stand in unison with Jesus, in unity with Jesus with one another, we're sunk. Does that mean you have to agree that your opinion, you know, and everyone's opinion? No, but let's agree with Jesus and let him be the head. Let him lead us. Lead us into those places. Look, I don't like tough conversations, especially with people I love, but they're necessary. We think failure and conflict is weakness, but it's opportunity for strength health, and vitality. Jesus says to himself, when we are weak, he is what? Yeah. But we have to allow him the opportunity. See, we give, we give the enemy a lot of credit. Satan's doing this, he's doing that. And he is, yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff. God also remember he's kind of brilliant in that he just lets humanity do what humanity does. Which is why Jesus has intervened. Anyone ever seen The Incredibles? That movie? Do you remember the scene where they're, the family were induced to the family for the first time and one kid's running around, the other one's throwing force fields and, and the mom's like, Bob, intervene! Right? And he's going, what, what, what? Intervene! And he picks up the table and everyone's flying and goes, I'm intervening! And you know he's present, right? He just lifted the table. Everything's, that's what Jesus does. He's like, oh, we're, we're asking him for help. We want guidance. And he's going, I'm intervening. I'm right here. I'm in the middle of the room. I've lifted up your world. I've shaken it around. But start paying attention to me. And let's do the hard work. Because families, you have to do hard work. How many of you have done hard work in your own personal family? Okay, the same work ethic has to be done here. With the church. Because if not, we're going to miss him. We'll miss Jesus. We'll miss the life he has for us. Now, I'm not saying God won't call us to different places, but let's make sure any departure or any kind of conflict is seen through to the end. Because you may not have to end up in the same place as that person, but the relationship will be in place where there's love and there's grace and there's joy and there's peace. You may not have the same opinion on things, but you want what God wants, so you come to the table. This is really important. It's really important to me because it breaks my heart when people are not willing to do the work. And it's not because of just what I lose from it, but what they'll lose from it and what they won't see and gain and receive. See, this is a hard word. 
Because Paul shows us how to posture ourselves in this passage. He shows us, doesn't he? If you have any encouragement from belonging to me, this is how I would say it with, with Jesus say, any comfort from my love, any fellowship with my spirit, are your hearts tender, compassionate? Are they groaning for the people around us? They make me happy by agreeing with me together wholeheartedly, loving one another as I love you, and working together with one, with one mind in alignment with mine and my purpose, my will for your life. And don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. But be humble. Thinking of others better than yourselves because I want to minister to those people through you. And don't look out only for your own interests. I care about those. Lord would say, I care about those. I do. But take an interest in others too because I love them just as much as I love you. That's a personal love letter to us. Squabbles will happen, but we got to come to the table and do the work and be in alignment with Jesus. Imagine being a church that knows how to do the work. So no matter what hard thing comes our way, we're united because he unites. We're not going along with emotions out of uniformity. We're stepping into unity. And we can be of one mind and purpose when we are constantly engaging him and allowing him to do all and anything he wants to do in us and through us. This is a word for now. Let me say that again. This is a word for right now. Right this second. Not 2,000 years ago, now. And I'd be curious to hear, please email me or so, let me know when you ask the Lord, Lord, how do I respond to this? <laughs> let me know what the Lord is doing. I, I want to be a part of that and pray f- for you and with you in that. Because I'm going to let you know. I, mean, uh, I kind of just emotionally vomit on you guys all the time. Right? And what the Lord's going, doing in my life. But uh, I want to hear what he's doing so that we can pray together in that. Because these are hard things. We all are carrying hard things. But they will not overcome us when we are standing in Jesus together. They won't. They can't. It's impossible when we're standing in Jesus together. That's why unity is absolutely key in Christ Jesus. Shall we pray? I thank you, Jesus, that you are the compass of our lives and that you are the due north. That you've made it clear that you have intervened. You've made it clear that we are to be where you are. And if we can do that, if we can do that, there is no squabble, There's no conflict, there's no pain, there's no burden that we cannot overcome through Christ Jesus, through you, together. I pray against anything the enemy would do to try to rob us of that unity, try to rob us 
of that desire and that notion and that understanding and that have to to come to the table and do the hard work so that we can stay where you are and that we can do that together. So I pray against those things in Jesus' name. If there's anything coming against us, anyone in this room right now that's not of you, I say leave now and go to the feet of Jesus. You have no place here. We are your people, Lord, or yours. We have our own opinions, we have our own thoughts, and we thank you for the freedom to to think and to ponder. But I pray in Jesus' name that those would always be led to your purpose and will for our lives and would come in alignment with your word and your truth. May this not fall on on any deaf ears in our hearts, but fall on good, rich soil right now in Jesus' name. Help us to practice this in our lives. I want to bless the tithes and the gifts and the offerings that we will bring to you. And I pray that we would continue to bring those out of faith. Not out of have-tos, but out of faith. And that you would continue to show us kingdom stewardship. It's all for you. It's all, everything we do has to be about, with, and for you. And so I pray that those gifts that we bring together would reflect that. And you would use it for your kingdom and your glory to impact this world in a way where every knee will bow and tongue confess that you are Lord. Bless the remainder of our time and worship together. Whether we're standing, sitting, dancing, whatever it may be, that it would be with truth, love, thanksgiving, and joy that we celebrate who you are. May this worship be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you're good.
love endures forever. Oh, you are faithful.